With the flick of her pen, she writes, the magic within beginning to rise. The words flow, pages unfold, the stories delight. They help you to make a smile as you take my hand. You're spirited into a dreamy land, into the story we ride with the story spirits as our guide. Hello friends, hello, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today I'm going to tell a little story about a special magical flower. We've been talking about this little, we've been talking about bringing more magic into our lives over on YouTube. Um, where I did an oracle reading yesterday that turned into two readings um, with the bonus reading that suddenly came out totally unintended was for those of you looking for new love. So I will let you peruse that at your leisure if you so desire. But today we're going to start with a little story that was channeled this month about a flower. And this story is going to kick off the next 30 days of the podcast where we'll be doing 30 days of Halloween series. So if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, you will love that. But I feel like for some reason, this story wants to be the header to all of that. So I'm going to set myself in a shady spot. It is Sunday morning again. And I've been walking outside. The sound you've been hearing in some of the recent episodes is my staff slash walking stick. So let me, without further ado, read you this little short story about this magical flower. The Rose of Santa Domingo. Chapter One, Rosalie. As the flower bloomed, Rosalie could not contain her excitement. The first rose of Santa Domingo. She had cross-pollinated two heirloom roses to obtain the lavender bloom with gilded edges. The smell of baby's breath and bubblegum exuded from its pink center. Rosalie had taken that gardening class long ago and had been told that her green thumb was a useful thing for attracting a soulmate. What old Mrs. Delancey could have meant by that, she wasn't sure. Rosalie did, however, have a date tonight with someone from her gardening group. He was new to the area and had for some strange reason joined the group Kitchen Witchery How to Grow a Mugwort Without Direct Sunlight class. 
Rosalie had curiously created the class after several friends and followers had told her the plant had become increasingly hard to find. Heralding back to our earlier this year on the podcast when I couldn't find mugwort anywhere. And now with summer's end, she knew that in order for the mugwort to germinate, it must be kept indoors. But she couldn't think about mugwort right now. She had to get ready for her date. She was to meet Calvin O'Hanrahan at the Drunken Spoon Tavern for drinks, and she was running late. Rosalie gently placed the potted rose of Santo Domingo in the little indoor greenhouse she had made in the spare room. She had heard strange goings-ons coming from the room late at night, so she carefully checked the window. It was locked as she knew it would be. Could flowers have fairies, she wondered, or even guardian angels? She shushed her ever-active magical mind to get ready for her date, and 20 minutes later was heading out the door to the drunken spoon. What she didn't realize was that the door to the spare bedroom where the little greenhouse lived had been left open. Catamancy, Rosalie's tabby, was quite interested in what went on in the forbidden zone of that room, for he was always shushed away when he got too close to the door. But now freedom reigned and he carefully slipped inside. He could see a light coming from a shaded area where there were many plants and flowers. And then he saw something shiny from the corner of his eye. It dazzled his vision and beckoned him to the corner of the room. He padded lightly over to the shiny space and in doing so happened upon the little corner garden. The little corner garden was richly decorated with all manner of fallen petals and leaves, baubles and bits, and carefully selected earrings and shiny things from around the house. Catamancy was not surprised to see the fairy and the house elf cajoling each other around a small fire lit only by a magical spell. The small corner of the room awash with light. He didn't speak any mortal language and least of all fairy speak, which could be quite shrill at times, but he could communicate with his mind and in doing so made the fast acquaintance of Molly McBottoms and Greer, the house elf. Greer had been in the home ever since his last master had left him and never returned. Greer had been heartbroken and vowed never to devote his services to a mortal being again. Molly McBottoms had flown inside one day when the spare bedroom window had been left open, and then finding this bedroom oasis to her liking had decided to stay. She periodically went outdoors to forage in the backyard, but the neighbor's dog had scared her so badly one day she decided to become an indoor fae. Molly had become increasingly infatuated with the Rose of Santo Domingo and would often fly the long distance up to the top of the greenhouse table to perch on its baby breath and bubblegum-scented petals. Now unbeknownst to Molly, Greer, Catamancy, and even Rosalie, the Rose of Santo Domingo had a magical power. The power had been gifted to the flower by the angels, and it had only one purpose. The magical scent, combined with the sight of the petals and neon green leaves, could bring in romantic love to anyone that touched it, as long as romance was the intention in the heart of the one who held it. The Rose of Santo Domingo considered this a very important role and was quite tired of sitting in this spare bedroom under a torchlight. 
It needed to get out there and spread its joy with more people. It knew that Rosalie thought she didn't need a love, and so its intoxicating power had not worked on her. But the flower angels, Molly McBottoms, and even Sad Greer knew that Rosalie deserved true love. And so a plan was formed between the little group to get the Rose of Santo Domingo out to the real world. Chapter two, Calvin. Calvin O'Hanrahan was not going to let up. His friend Riley had been telling him for quite some time now that women did not like the scent of pine aftershave lotion. Calvin was certain this was not true and had tried unsuccessfully to test this on several of the women in the gardening group. He had sat several seats away from Lily and when she had looked around at the seats in the area, she had fixated her gaze on him and then moved several more seats away. She had even pulled a small lace handkerchief from her purse and placed it delicately against her nose. And then Mrs. Delancey had entered the room, took one whiff, and went straight to opening the windows closest to Calvin. So maybe Riley was right. But why then had his mom told him many times that pine was an intoxicating scent? What Calvin couldn't know was that Mrs. O'Hanrahan was brought up in the Witch Mountains of County Cork, and pine was a very important scent to the witch mages there. They used pine in everything, and it was surmised that the scents kept mortal folks far away. This allowed the witch mages to work their magic uninterrupted. Mrs. O'Hanrahan's mother had worked for a particularly piney witch, Green Hilda, who had imparted the magic of pine scent as a sacred tool on the house staff of which elder Mrs. O'Hanrahan managed. So pine was deeply ingrained in Calvin's memory, but maybe it was time to say goodbye to pine. It didn't mean he was disrespectful, it just meant he would have better luck in the lady department. Calvin had much to do before his outing with Rosalie, for Calvin had for some time been wishing for a special someone, and he quite liked Rosalie, although she had, prior to this engagement, never given him a second glance. Maybe it was the pine. He picked up a trash bin and started about the house, throwing away all remnants of anything related to pine-scentedness. He had been quite surprised when on a whim he had been clearly guided to approach Rosalie after class one day. She had on a pink frock that beguiled him in a certain way, and her hair had looked like spun golden sugar that day. He wanted to take her to the Drunken Spoon Tavern, a place we are all familiar with. Spirit guides of Tessa Locke fans. A little pub favored by the locals. He had never been, but Riley said it was a very good place for dinner and dancing. So Calvin had taken him up on the recommendation and was quite surprised when Rosalie had accepted the invitation. He didn't care if she liked him or not. He was just excited to be going somewhere again and with a beautiful girl who he knew loved plants like he did. <clears throat> Calvin buttoned up his linen shirt and topped that with a suede vest. His cashmere slacks in a dubious tan were offset by the red of his shoulder-length hair. He placed the tam on and tilted it just so. His mom had procured this beauty on her last trip to the Scottish Isles. He was ready, but before he could head out the back door, the front doorbell chimed three times. He put down his keys and the rose he had put in a plastic dome cover 
and headed to the front room. He opened the door, but there was no one there. He looked up and down the street, but there was nobody. At that moment, Greer slipped inside, followed by Molly as Catamancy looked on from the front shrub. There was work to be done inside and no time to waste. Makes me want to hum that. Never mind. Chapter three, the Rose Dome. Catamancy was the lookout, although he wasn't really sure what he was looking out for. He had done his duty in leading the group to Calvin's place. After all, his fine sense of direction and his penchant for smelling out anything having to do with Rosalie had made it easy for him to find Calvin's house. He had taken the two on a short jaunt through the back alleys of the small town, and now they had arrived. Catamancy could smell the strong scent of pine coming from the bins in the alley and recognized this as a scent that always seemed to permeate the air when Rosalie would return from her gardening class. Now you may think, reader, that Pine was overpowering everything around young Calvin, but he was quite unaware of how much it had been ingrained in him over time, so much so that one might begin to wonder if he wasn't taking on the demeanor and mannerisms of the Pine elves who lived out in the little woods behind his home. Deep Pine Green, as the locals called it, was home to all manner of nature elementals, and Pine Elves were no exception. They lived deep in the wood and called the tall conifer trees home. This space was the most magical of the Deep Pine Green, and when any local witch or wizard wanted to work a particularly magical spell, they would go to the grove in these woods. Catamancy was pulled towards the wooded area by the sound of very sprightly music. He could see a magical light emanating from the deep pine green, and he must leave his post at Calvin's door to find out more. He padded lightly into the conifers and towards the mystical light. <clears throat> Meanwhile, back inside Calvin's kitchen, Molly was working her own fairy magic. She had brought a petal of the Rose of Santa Domingo. She had very carefully flew up to the greenhouse table at Rosalie's and, with the flower's permission, of course, plucked a very beguiling petal from the center. And now she was, with Greer's help, lifting the plastic dome off the very pungent, but nonetheless beautiful, tansy rose. The tansy also looked pretty alluring with its orange and burnt red petals, but this couple didn't need a rose that was clearly meant for seduction. This couple needed Dun, da, 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 dun, da, da, da. the rose of Santa Domingo, a bloom that was here to only bring deep and unending love and affection, the kind of love one dreams about in a fairy tale. Greer carefully removed the tansy rose from the plastic dome, ensuring he didn't destroy any of its petals. He would be taking this rose back to the greenhouse for another time. Molly flew up to the plastic dome and removed the single bud of the Rose of Santo Domingo from her pouch. She said a prayer and uttered some fairy speak that was so shrill no mortal ear could have heard it. At that uttering, the single petal of the Rose of Santo Domingo transformed into a full-fledged flower. And smelling its baby's breath and cotton candy scent and satisfied with her work, Molly motioned for Greer to cover the flower with the plastic dome. It would be quite safe inside until it reached its destination in Rosalie's hand. 
and with the motion of her small hand, Molly covered the rose with a glamour so Calvin would not notice the switch. He would, of course, be able to feel its magical presence as it worked its love on the two. Molly and Greer made their way back to the front door and were surprised to find it still open. Calvin had gone outside to look up and down the street and had gotten caught in a conversation with Sigrid McMathers. Sigrid had her eye on Calvin from the moment he had moved into the two-story gingerbread-style cottage on Deep Pine Grove Way. But Sigrid, being a solitary witch, had found it difficult to make her feelings known to Calvin. But she had seen him from her drawing room window and had noticed he looked quite dapper and feeling the need for human company had appeared to wander outside at just the perfect moment as Calvin had passed in front of her home. Oh, Calvin, you look so dapper tonight. She blushed in the dusky night air. Not that I was particularly looking at y'all that much, she said, putting her head down to look at him in a kind of sideways glance. You look very pretty tonight, Sigrid, Calvin said, politely understanding her shyness. By the by, did you see anyone around here? Can't say that I have, Sigrid said, looking around herself now. Those darn schoolboys could have been hanging around again. They liked to take her apples from the secret trees behind her cottage, the apples having been rumored to allow anyone to remember anything they had just read with astounding clarity. The boys, thinking the magical apples could help improve their school test scores. As Calvin and Sigrid were conversing, and Molly and Greer were searching for catamancy, a shriek cat call went up from the deep green wood as the tabby came bounding through the thick tree line. Turns out that deep pine elves did not like the looks of cats who were bent on learning their secrets. The elves had run off the large cat with a burst of elven magic from a firetail plant, singeing the fur on the well-meaning cat's tail. Catamancy burst out into the quaint scene and seeing the cat with a fire-bright tail singed with magic, Sigrid forgot all about the stolen apples and Calvin realized he was going to be late for his date. Good night, Sigrid. I'm running late for an important engagement, he said, in a kind of bow that one makes to signal thanks. At least, that's what they did at the Royal China Garden restaurant after they delivered his mushu pork, Calvin recalled. Good night, Sigrid had said, having had enough human contact for now. She made her way back to her cottage and the cauldron of beetle soup she was making for the new moon. With the group of three reunited, and Catamancy none the worse for wear, saved a singed tail and his pride being a little hurt. The three made their way back to Rosalie's, happy for a job well done. The rest was now up to the Rose of Santo Domingo. Could it work its magic and bring two lonely souls together? Could one single rose really have that profound an effect? Could it alter history? Or was history already altered and the rose was simply there to enjoy in the magic? Well, as you're wondering, shall we reveal the rest of the story? Let's take a deep breath. Let's wonder and ponder as those. The, the questions I want to ponder, hold on. Could a rose alter history? <clears throat> or was history already altered? Or when the rose was simply there to enjoy in the magic? More talking about, um, I guess when we say history, like 
soul stuff, soul unions, soul contracts, and all that. Well, let's see how this story unfolds. Chapter 4, How the Story Unfolds. Calvin decided that everything was fine and excused himself, sure that if he didn't hurry just a little, that quite possibly Rosalie might not be waiting for him. He double and then triple checked his appearance in the little mirror by the door, and satisfied with what he saw, he picked up the enchanted rose dome and headed out the door intent on making it to the drunken spoon. As Calvin was walking and humming a strange song that had popped into his mind, Rosalie was also humming the same strange song that had suddenly popped into her mind. Could two souls really be connected like that? The story seems to say so. But as Calvin was walking, a strange sense came over him. The little rose of Santa Domingo glistening in its rose dome began to emit a frequency. It was more of a feeling that came over the scene. Its magic was starting to take hold and the rose beamed with anticipation. Calvin made the short distance to the drunken spoon in what seemed like no time at all. Rosalie, <laughs> there's bugs on me. Rosalie could feel the air change around her. All thoughts of her work and mundane reality shifted as Calvin approached her at the outside table she had chosen. Her drink was frothy and cooling on the back of her throat and she wondered why suddenly she felt like she loved everyone. A rose for a pretty lady, Calvin said, setting down the rose dome and holding out his hand in what felt like an awkward gesture. Rosalie didn't know whether to shake his hand or take his hand. She felt all warm inside as, unbeknownst to her, the beams of love from the rose of Santa Domingo enveloped the entire scene. Even the waiter who approached the table had sudden feelings of deep love for everyone around him. And such was the magical tale that unfolded between the two as they looked into each other's eyes. But could it be that easy? Could love really unfold that easily? Could a magical bloom really exist that would help two lovers come together? Do you still believe in magic, dear soul? If so, then you already know what happens next. And that, my friends, is the end of our tale. We'll see you next time for 30 Durs of Halloween. And until then, have a magical day. I write, I write the magic inside. You never know what will come. Take my hand and let's go to a magical land. Do you believe where magic is from? It comes from within. You just have to start to live and believe using your heart. Kindness and joy. Love is a sacred toy. Use it to guide you. Use it to thrive. Always keep the magic alive.